This is Solidarity News on Radio Labour. This is a Radio Labour World Report recorded on Friday, April 1st, 2022. I'm Mark Boulanger. In the report this week, the ITUC's Fourth World Women's Conference and Equal Pay. The ILO's incoming chief calls for decent work. The Labour Start report about union events and singing. This is Radio Labour. The International Trade Union Confederation has held the second session of its Fourth World Women's Conference online. The ITUC is the organization which represents national union centers such as the Ghana Trades Union Congress and the AFL-CIO in the United States. Seamarie Ainsborough reports. The fourth ITUC World Women's Conference has called for more action towards equal pay for work of equal value and other measures to ensure equality for women workers. The conference was conducted online March 30th and 31st. In one of the conference events, a discussion was held about what is happening in Europe. It was moderated by Esther Lynch from the European Trade Union Confederation, the ETUC. She introduced Paula Penzeri, who is a member of the ETUC Women's Committee and a policy officer with the European Public Service Union, EPSU. I believe, like all of you believe, that every woman, no matter who she is, no matter what work she does, deserves equal pay. But I know, like all of you know, that that's not the case for so many working women in Europe, working women around the world. So it's particularly uh, uh, important for us to join our forces together. And I'm privileged to be here to, as the coming from the ETUC, bring in solidarity messages from the European Trade Union Committee's Women's Committee with together with the biggest association of working women in the world together with the, with our colleagues in the ITUC. But we have a lot of challenges in front of us at the moment. Women are being put to the back of the queue. It's very clear that women showed up during the pandemic, showed up every day at work as carers, as cleaners. And yet now, when we're very close to being able to secure equal pay, the challenging of pay on the basis of work of equal value. Why is it that women who care and clean are paid so little? Shouldn't we be able to challenge that too? Isn't that part of the unfinished revolution when it comes to equal pay? I'm going to go to Paula, who works in EPSU, but she's from the ETUC Women's Committee here today too. So, Paula, can you explain what we're doing in the ETUC Women's Committee to to try and ensure equal pay? Over to you, Paula. Thank you very much, Esther. Indeed, today uh, I do work for EPSU, the European Public Service Unions, but I'm here today as Vice President of the ETUC uh, Women's Committee, and it's an honour to be with you today. I could say very many things about the work that the ETUC Women's Committee has been doing and is doing to get the Pay Transparency Directive and to get recognised in EU legislation the right to equal pay for work of equal value. But let me start from saying that the ETUC and the Women's Committee have been working for a long time before the directive on this matter. And it's probably also because of the pressure because of the pressure that we all put together across Europe, that we have a directive today, because it was promised to us that we would have a a directive on pay transparency. 
the Commission promised, the European Commission, but then kept delaying its publication and it gets over a year delay. But it was just, I think, also because of the pressure that the Women's Committee and the unions across the Europe that kept asking, do give us what you promised, that we had a first draft of the of the directive in the first place. So I think the union movement not only was fundamental, but it was actually proactive and instrumental to get this piece of legislation on the table. Was it perfect? No. It had good elements. We also actually, as ETUC, during that period of delay, we also proposed a model directive. You're not giving it to us, we propose you one so that you can get inspired on what we what workers and what our members tell us it's fundamental to be in that text. So having in mind that the goal of the directive is broader than equal pay for work of equal value, but is to strengthen pay transparency measures, but also to include some enforcement mechanisms so that equal pay for work of equal value is not just a right, but it's enforced in European legislation and therefore in the member states. I am deeply and personally honored to be the first representative of the Africa region to be selected to lead the ILO. That is Gilbert Hongbo from Togo in his first speech after being elected Director General of the International Labour Organization. The ILO is the UN agency focused on matters of work in the world. It sets minimum standards on issues such as hours of work and workplace equality. The organization is operated in a tripartite manner by representatives of governments, employers, and trade unions. Between annual conferences, it is coordinated by the governing body, which includes representatives of all three social partners. Honorable members of the governing bodies, dear colleagues, the outcome of this election carries a rich symbolism. Your choice today, member of the governing body, fulfills the aspirations of a young African, a young African boy whose humble upbringing turned into a lifelong quest for social justice. Also marks for an entire region, a region that did not have a seat at the table when ILO constitution was drafted in 1919. Its readiness to lead the way in a united effort to act on the principle enshrined in the Declaration of Philadelphia that labor is not a commodity. A great thinker once said, history is the work of people. With this election, you, member of the governing body, you have made history. I am deeply and personally honored to be the first representative of the Africa region to be selected to lead the ILO after 103 years. I wish to thank deeply my own government of Togo, as well as all African member states and the African Union and Africa Commission for their relentless uh, effort in put forward my candidacy. Although my origins are African. My perspective is global. In an age, unfortunately, of divisiveness, my commitment to be a unifying director general stands firm. Elections are now 
over. I will be the Director General of Nobody and the Director General of Everybody. Government, employers, and workers alike from all regions across the world can rely and should rely on my total readiness to represent and advocate the views of all tripartite constituents of the organization. Above all, I commit to represent the voices of those who rely on us in ILO. I'm thinking about the 4 billion people around the world who do not have access to social protection. I'm thinking about the 200 plus million of women and men who face unemployment, the 160 million children in child labor, the 1.6 billion of people in the informal sector. Mr. Hungbo will replace the outgoing Director General of the ILO, Guy Ryder, in October 2022. Mr. Ryder, elected in 2012, was the first unionist to head the organization. Here with his report about union events is Labour Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. This week, our top stories section included links to coverage of what the BBC is calling a new golden age for unions in the United Kingdom and in the United States. We also had many, many stories about the national general strike last week in India that affected everything from banks to steel mills and more manifestations of global trade union solidarity with Ukrainian workers and with those Russians who have been imprisoned for their opposition to the war. We also carried a story about what life is like for Belarusian activists who have had to do their union work while in exile. But my favorite top story of the week was really a series of stories about how unions in countries bordering Ukraine are using their offices to house refugees and how they are moving to place other refugees in their members' homes. One story that has had a long, perhaps too long life on our news pages is the ongoing paper workers' walkout in Finland. Their union, in concert with Industrial, the global union federation for their sector, is moving to place pressure on the employer with a campaign aimed at the company's shareholders. For our Working Women page, our volunteers found news of a workload strike by Australian nurses and midwives, an analysis of the winning campaign to ensure equal pay for women workers in Scotland, and a report from Nepal where Gafant's National Women's Conference concluded this week. And, of course, we also carried the reaction of education unions around the world to the news that girl children over the age of 11 will not be allowed to attend school in Afghanistan. A small sample of the stories appearing on our health and safety page in Newswire this week includes the good news of a plan for the introduction of 10 days of sick leave for all workers in Ireland and the long-term effects of the pandemic on exhausted healthcare workers in countries like Canada, China, and Argentina. We also had coverage of new revelations by the Fire Brigades Union in the United Kingdom as the inquiry into the Grenfell disaster continues. And from Australia, we brought you the reaction of the Transport Workers Union to the proposed self-regulation of truckies' hours of work by employers as the state steps back from its role in keeping drivers and the public safe. 
Our current photo of the week is of Meena Patel, a longtime Labor Start supporter and an official with India's Construction and Industrial Workers Security and Development Union. As she explains the reasons for last week's two-day general strike that saw millions of workers off the job across India. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. Now, speaking of Scotland and equal pay, here's a song written during Scotland's 2018 strike in which thousands of women hit the picket lines for fair pay. Well, you know it makes me want to strike. Put our mops down, shut the shops down, don't treat us like fools. If you want primary schools, all we want is equal pay. That's why we're marching here today. If you know who is singing that song, please send us a note using the address email at radiolabor.org. And that's it. Labor news you can use. You can listen to our daily newscasts and features at radiolabor.net. I'm Mark Polanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity.